This recording is a replay of a live show that aired Tuesday, October 10th at 5 o'clock p.m. The opinions expressed do not reflect the opinions of the University of Wisconsin-Madison or its Board of Regents. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy. Hello and welcome back to another episode of After Further Review live on WSUM 91.7 FM Madison Student Radio. It's a sports show hosted by myself, Alexander Schuster, and the man, the myth, the legend, and belated birthday boy, <laughs> Vince Hesperick. Oh, thank you so much. I I, uh, I appreciate you plugging in. It was my birthday because I'm wearing both the hat and shirt that you graciously got me for my birthday. I, I appreciate that quite a bit. It really cheered me up after a, a poor week of Wisconsin sports. Well, I had to return the favor. You got me an excellent beanie that I unfortunately uh, did not get to wear uh, this year for the Brewers playoff run, um, but... I will be using it over the winter. Well, you so. said you were going to wear it when they made the playoffs. And I you did. did. So I technically, think, the Brewers' loss is your fault then. I think I can be credited with that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also joining us today is two very special guests, Kean McDermott and Josh Donovan. How are you guys doing today? I'm doing good. When was your birthday? October 6th. Mine was October 5th. For, are you serious? Yeah, oh, my gosh. Imagine if we had the same birthday. We just I know. Now. But one of my very good friends is October 6th, and so we're he's 364 days old, uh, older than me. Oh. Yeah, so what That's a coincidence. Cool. Small there world. There you go. And, yeah, we're kind of ambushing Josh here. I mean, he was came in to just shadow our show, and now we're throwing him into the fire here. <clears throat> yeah. Um, my birthday's June 15th, so oh. I'm, I'm not special. Oh. <laughs> you're, you're special in my book, Josh. We'll keep that in mind. Maybe write that down. Give you a shout yeah. out when it comes <laughs> around. All right, should we get the Let's the show it. going? Yeah. Uh, so we're gonna do uh, rate my take. That's where each one of us gives a take, and the other ones rate it on a scale from one to ten. Uh, Vince, do you want to do the the coin toss to determine? Yeah, who goes I forgot first? to bring a coin. I do have the Snapple cap. Uh, so, I guess heads or tails. Call it in the air. Heads. It is. I think that's heads. That Snapple as, sign yeah, up. I think that counts as heads. Okay, so I, it's gonna be. I'm gonna like to go first, just because right. mine is probably gonna take a little while, and I think I just want to get out of the way. <laughs> so, I think that Caleb Williams should use all of his leverage to force his way into the best possible NFL situation. Uh, he should follow in the footsteps of Eli Manning and John Elway, and just tell the, if it's. A, a terrible, terrible team, a historically bad franchise, especially at the quarterback position, with no assets around that, that position and no positive outlook for the next two to three years to start his career. I think he should say that he's just going to refuse to play for them, use all of his opportunities, which he is in a unique situation where he does still have another year of eligibility and is already presumably the number one overall pick, no matter which team has that, that draft pick. So I think he should use that leverage and decide not to go in, into the NFL if a terrible team has it and they say they're going to draft him anyways. And if if they agree to either trade the pick to someone else, then he should go into the NFL this year. But otherwise, he should be willing to hold out and wait because he still has the opportunity to make NIL money. And I know people's biggest argument against it is because he would make less money in college than he would going into NFL, making, I think it would be like a quarter of what uh, Bryce Young uh, just signed a guaranteed contract for last year. Uh, but he shouldn't be worried about that. He should be more worried about the money he'd make off the field. If he goes to a good team, it has a long, successful career and can make make up for the difference in that by waiting, being either a lower draft pick and uh letting him fall in the draft to the, the proper team that he wants to play for or 
forcing the team to trade up for him and then still being the, the number one overall pick. But I think he should force his way into the best situation possible. Wow, so you're saying he should play all of his cards. You said... Anything possible. My goodness. Uh, so you said if he plays for a historically terrible franchise, has no redeeming pieces. What Are you talking about the Bears? I am talking about the Bears. Okay. I, I don't... Another team I'd throw in there would be the Cardinals as well, who is like the other... Those are the two teams that are yeah. most likely to end up with that draft pick. And they already have quarterbacks in that position, so I think it would be easier for him to try and pressure them into trading the pick away and sticking with the guy they have now, hoping to get additional assets from the team that that's trading to get in that position um but before even doing that i think you should just tell them that you just don't even take me take someone out of that position uh don't make a trade a team trade up for you make them hold on to the, all their resources and, and just basically pick which team he wants to, to go to and and treat it like free agency because he does have another year yeah i Here's the thing. I think the thing with with Caleb Williams is he has there obviously are pros and cons to both. I think staying in college, obviously his NIL valuation is what like tens of millions. Like he can make yeah. a, a ton of money. So obviously there's there the concern is always does he get injured? Um, you know somehow does he not have a good season? Uh, and then I think going to the NFL, the one thing, and I agree with you, the Bears situation is awful. I think they need to blow everything up right now because if, if Eberflus stays as their coach, I mean, we've seen what's happening to Fields. I do think Caleb Williams, though, is, I would argue if he continues to have in the season he has, best prospect we've seen come out of the draft at the quarterback position. I mean, he's fantastic if he gets another Heisman. But what I think is, look, right now the Bears have the first pick and the second pick. You got Caleb Williams, arguably best quarterback to come out. You got Marvin Harrison arguably one of the best receivers to ever come out. That defense we know has been very good in the past. I know they have pieces there. You have DJ Moore. You have your right tackle in Darnell Wright. You hopefully go out and get another coach. I mean, before Eberflus, Nagy, as much hate as Nagy got, he was a winning coach in Chicago. Yeah, made the playoffs twice. Yeah, so I think for Caleb Williams, it might not be as bad of a situation when you really get down to it because if he gets a guy like Marvin Harrison, that's like a Hall of Fame quarterback wide receiver duo right there if you have them for whatever, 10 years. So I, I agree with you, though. I think he has so much leverage here. So he can do what he wants, but I always think take your chance when you can, you know. But I agree with you. I know I know where you're coming from, but I think if you really look into the Bears situation, there are a lot of positives that, that can come out of it. I think you're right, at least like with a team that's historically had a good defense. That's going to be like one of the biggest things that he needs to look for. Like that, Kind of what you're talking about is a little bit like what Joe Burrow did, getting Jamar Chase also yeah. on his team. And if you look at where they're at now, they're kind of in a position where, where they're good enough to make it all the way but not win the big games. They're not able to make a complete team unless they're doing it through free agency or, or trades just because they're performing so well in the regular season that they're not going to end up with a good enough draft pick to get that asset unless Joe Burrow's hurt, which is yeah really the only way they've been losing games so far. So I, I think it puts him in a tough position right off the bat where you want to be able to find a team that has the assets right away that you can be put in the best position possible for the long run of your career. And even if it kind of makes people like dislike you at the start of your career, I think they you should basically just tell them to suck it up and like <laughs> it's the best move for yeah. your career like if you're a top prospect from like a college like graduating any normal profession not an athlete you get to basically pick and choose where you want to go and you have multiple job offers ideally coming your way where or 
like you would be put in the best situation possible for the long run of your career. In sports, it's the complete opposite, which I think is a little bit ridiculous, where there's a pretty good chance you, you have a guy like that go to a historically bad franchise and then completely waste their career. Um, and, I mean, there's a list of guys that he's been compared to that, like, either players that have done well uh, but not necessarily panned out that were top prospects, probably not even as highly graded as Caleb Williams has been. But when I mean, you look at, like, Kyler Murray, a guy, like, great players struggling because of his situation right now. Baker Mayfield moving on to the Buccaneers in a much, much better situation, and he's balling out, looks like an actual NFL-caliber quarterback when he was – at the Browns, I mean, it was completely different performance. Zach Wilson, another guy that, I mean, depends on what you think about him. He hasn't been very good, but that, he's also at the Jets. And you throw right, that's in where I'm the Geno line there. Smith yeah. and you throw Sam Darnold. <laughs> well, they have, they keep getting, there's, like, if you just add him to the list of guys where, like, they have generational quarterbacks or, like, generational talent drafted quarterbacks and none of them pan out. I mean, at some point you got to say, like, how is this not the team? Are you, they, they either really that bad at drafting where they just can't find a guy or are they just that bad at developing a, a player and a quarterback where they just run them into the ground? And the Bears kind of the same way, getting a player like Justin Fields who shows spark, but then when he's playing like the team wants him to play, he's putting up the worst numbers possible. And then when he finally takes over, that's when he puts up a good performance. So I don't know. The, the way I look at it, the, the best possible case for his career is forcing his way into a the best situation possible, and I, I think he should do that. I, I, I got to subtract. I might actually give you a two on this one, just because it makes me so angry. Uh, I, I, I understand to a point him coming back for college for another year, but when you start forcing teams not to draft you, I think you're kind of fracturing the foundations of yeah. the NFL, where yeah. the whole point of it is you're bad and you're supposed to get better. But if teams can just say, or like, what if Caleb Williams were to just say, with your logic, uh, actually, I'm just going to wait and play for the Chiefs. I mean, it's like that just. I just don't think that players can pick and choose because you can make a look at look at it as he has the leverage. Well, let's just say the Bears do draft him. He says, "Okay, I just won't play." And they'll say, "Fine, we'll just hold on to you for two years." Then you can just ride the bench and waste your career not playing when you could be out there earning money and earning those roster bonuses and stuff that you wouldn't be getting because you refuse to play for Chicago, which is the second biggest market in the nation. Well, then you get into another issue where you go to Chicago and. Chicago realistically could just force him to stay on their team for his entire career through franchise tags and other things that NFL has that force teams to stay on a, the, the team that they were drafted. No, the franchise yeah. tag is pretty crazy after it, it a certain would, amount. It, that is true, but after a while, they could they like realistically, if they wanted to, they could just keep tagging him year after year and hold on to him as long as possible and not give him the opportunity to go into free agency. So. I mean, right now, this might be his best chance to pick which team he wants to go to for his entire career. I mean, unless he's going to be, like, the first quarterback in how long to actually go into free agency that's performing well. All right, well, well I, I'm giving it a two. What, what are you giving this? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there, and I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> let us move on from here. I, I just think it, it the whole point of the NFL draft is that it helps the bad teams get better. Yeah. And I think for Caleb Williams, if I'm not looking at the Bears, at least in my eyes, I'm not looking at the Bears situation as a like very dire, I can't go there. Because again, second overall pick, you're getting an incredibly talented player there. If you add Marvin Harrison to that receiving core, that's a very good receiving core. You have running backs. Um, but yeah, I'm going to give it a, I'll give it a three. Josh, what I, you got for us? I think it's a one. It's oh, a terrible, wow. terrible take. I, I don't think he has any leverage, really. I think most of the time we don't really know how good a NFL team's t- true potential is uh, 
until a, the right quarterback comes in and performs and is able to bring up the rest of the team. The NFL is a quarterback-driven league. Um, and just like in 2020, people were saying the same thing about Joe Burrow. They were saying the Bengals are a terrible organization. They don't even have an indoor practice facility. <laughs> worst worst organization in, in football. He should just hold out, do whatever he can, don't go to the Bengals. And now where are we? We're seeing he went to the Super Bowl in his second year. He's consistently bringing them to the playoffs. I know he's injured this year and they've been underperforming, but still no one's saying, oh, wow, Joe Burrow messed up by uh, staying with uh, the Bengals. The Bengals are wasting Joe Burrow. I think if Caleb, Caleb Williams is really the caliber of prospect um, people think he is, then he'll – if he doesn't matter – it really doesn't matter yeah. that much what team he's going to. He should be able to perform. And even if he's, even if the Bears are like completely terrible, they waste him. After four years, when his rookie contract's up, he'll just go to a team that is actually actually useful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in that situation, then you look at like I don't know, like a, a guy like Sam Darnold, where like he finally moved on, and then. When he does move on, does he doesn't really actually get the opportunity and those really formative years of like your first couple of years in the NFL, like that's when you want to see a lot of development from a players that you're making. A lot of habit formation happens in those years and like in the wrong situation, I think that can really like make or break a player's career. And I think it's kind of overlooked how big of a difference like Mahomes going to the Chiefs and Tom Brady being at the Patriots and the situations that they fall into. I mean, you look at like a guy like Andrew Luck, him going to the Colts, performed really well, but they didn't protect him, didn't really get him a lot of weapons, and he ended up retiring because of injuries and stuff like that. So that kind of wasted potentially a all-time great quarterback's career because of the wrong situation. And I also would argue that the Bengals kind of are wasting away Joe Burrow by not getting him a better offensive line, not protecting him. I mean, he's constantly getting sacked, dragging that team into those situations. And yes, you can do that, but you shouldn't have to. You should be put in a. You should be hoping to be put in a position that protects your health and puts you in a position to su- succeed on the field. Well, I'm, food for thought. Eh? No, yeah. you make a good point. Too. I, I, it's fair to disagree, but I, I I do think this is a good take. All right. I, oh, yeah, f- final thoughts. I, yeah. No, I agree. I think I. Yeah, I agree. I do. I. This is a, a nitpicky thing. The Bengals have tried though. There you go. They definitely I, have tried to get protection. They just unfortunately, like Lael <laughs> Collins, they gave yeah. a huge. Oh. Yeah, it, it just hasn't worked out for them, unfortunately. I'm just saying it's not worth uprooting everything we know as the NFL draft process. I know Eli Manning is a, like a special case, but yeah, that's the other thing. This is a special case. Mm-hmm. Like this isn't like I'm, I'm not saying like a guy like all the guys that I listed listed earlier probably don't have the star power to do that. Mm-hmm. Like if Caleb Williams is a two-time Heisman winner. It's hard not to think that he ha- doesn't have the same or a more leverage than a guy like Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, Zach Wilson, Sam Darnold, like all these other guys. They definitely didn't have the leverage. Yeah. I think he does, and I think he should use it. Yeah. All right. Well, interesting, interesting to see how that yeah. will work out. Sorry, I wasted a lot no, of time. No, all good. That was a great conversation. So 
I guess what, what, what were our final totals? It was two, three, and one, yeah, right? Yeah, five. Oh, very, man. very. Well, that, was, that was a well thought out point, though. I just think that we all disagree with yeah. it, <laughs> which, is, which is fair. Yeah. Okay, so I am a, a massive Brewers fan. I believe I watched about 130 or 162 games last year, and to watch them lose the Diamondbacks was pretty horrific. Uh, I was actually listening to the replay of last week's show, where I said, "Yeah, really excited to watch the Brewers as soon as this one's done." And then I proceeded to sit in the uh, recording room and watch them self-destruct which is pretty tough, but uh, the overall mainstream consensus, not maybe consensus, certainly a narrative, is that the Brewers just cannot, will never have postseason success because they're just, they're too young, they're a cheap, small market team, and basically the entire Brewers philosophy is just out of date and failing, which I think is completely bogus. There's a, some pretty good reasons why the Brewers lost, but I cannot blame the organization on this one. So we'll start with too young. Uh, the Brewers entered the year with three rookies in the starting nine. Uh, they're the youngest team, I believe, the start of the year when you look at average player. But the end of the year, average player age was 29.5 with the additions they brought in. Diamondbacks, 28.6. And they're also in the bottom 10 in average age of their batters. So you can't say the Brewers don't have experience. They have guys up and down the order with experience. You look at Mark Canna, who's I mean, a lot of experience in the postseason. Carlos Santana, I believe his middle name is postseason. Christian Yelich has been there quite a bit. Uh, then you can say, well, the Brewers are just too cheap. Well, their payroll was $125 million this year. That was 19th in the league. However, four other playoff teams had lower ranks than the Brewers in terms of spending. Diamondbacks are one of them. $119 million spent in that rank 21st in the league. So they didn't really have any big contracts. Brewers have won in Christian Yelich. So I don't think this was necessarily a small market thing. Well, you could say, okay, well, the Brewers, they just have they just don't have a good philosophy when it comes to building a roster. And I'll admit that kind of show by batting Jesse Winker. What was the reaction to that? You can spell it out here. Uh, some boos, I would say. Yeah, yeah. I would say a, a loud roar of disgust, personally. But I thought, you know, Winker, I kind of understood why they bat him first. He was a good pinch hitter. Uh, he was great in the minors, but he has had MLB at-bat since July, so I thought it was kind of questionable. Then he hurt his back on his second swing, struck out. Bringing him back again in Game 2 was not going to lie pretty funny. Uh, especially when he, the same result happened. But it wasn't a good look. That being said, you just take a step back and look at this team. They had the best ERA in the entire league, and now the offense was kind of middle of the pack. They scored 5.3 runs per game in August. That ranked ninth in that month. 5.1 in September. That was 11. So you got a team that was above average in offense going into the postseason, the best pitching core, and they got swept. Now, the front office did not let the fans down. The players did. They just choked. That's all it is. I don't think this is a big X's and O's thing. I think the Brewers just didn't get the job done. So you can look at their pitching. I mean, Freddie Peralta in the second half was dominant. ERA in the second half, 2.81. Corbin Burns, their supposed ace, 2.71 ERA in the second half. Starters against the Diamondbacks, nine innings, eight runs allowed. It was a complete mess, I would say, especially in the middle innings with those starters. They just kind of fell apart. Look at Devin Williams, too. He didn't allow multiple runs in a game since July 5th, when scoreless number 90% of his total appearances on the year gave up two runs in game one. And then you look at the Diamondbacks. They just rose to the occasion. Corbin Carroll, he's hitting 500 in the postseason. 1.6 OPS, been unbelievable. In four games, he scored six runs, drove in four more. He's just been incredible. So I think the people roasting the Brewers' overall philosophy have to take a step back. There's 52 series in a year for every single team, and the Brewers just so happened to lose one. Now, if this game happened in July, be like, well, that was a bummer. I mean, they kind of choked that one, but they got to toughen things up and get ready for the postseason. But because it happened in the postseason, now all the alarm bells are blaring and stuff. So I think that you, it's okay to be upset at the Brewers. It, you definitely have a right to be disappointed. I know I sure as heck am. I was in the fetal position in my dorm room floor listening to Bob Euchre. But I just think that 
overall, saying that this is the grave of the Brewers and that they're just a poverty franchise, I think people got to chill out in that regard. Uh, I would agree with that. I, I mean, I don't know the most about baseball. So how often does it happen where we get on base that many times just for no result? Because uh, that was the most fu- Yeah, we got 20 part. people on base in the yeah. series. How, how often? Does that ever happen in well, baseball? Base is loaded, no outs. You have, I believe, an 89% chance of getting a run. Brewers had base loaded, no outs. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've oh, seen yeah. some smirks on their side of the table here. <laughs> so they, it's just one of those things where, you know, they got swept. You just look at one or two instances in these games. And, you know, um, when they had base loaded, no outs, uh, Evan Longoria had an awesome catch where they doubled up. If that gets through as a hard-hit liner, not only do you get two runs, then you got Christian Yelich coming up with runners on second and third. Then you go to game two, and they had the Diamondbacks tacked on, I think, five runs in inning. I mean, Carlos Santana had a chance at a double rip down the right field side. If he gets a glove on it, that's two outs instead of two runs. So there's just so many little instances where if that changes, the entire game can change. And those went the Diamondbacks' way. So I think credit to them, but I think that roasting the Brewers is a little mean right now, and it hurts my feelings. (laughs) I'll give you the credit for that. I I think I'm going to go a six because I'm inclined to agree with you and try and soften the blow of this, but I do think that was a, a pretty big letdown. Yeah, it was yeah. bad. I, I'm going to go with the five on this take because, yeah, you're right. Everything you said was correct, but... That sounds like a 10 to me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but at some point, like, you can't accept, oh, well, it's a serious... Yeah, I mean, if this was happening in July, we wouldn't be that upset. Um, it's just a series. It was bad luck. I mean, eventually you're going to want your team to clutch up in the postseason, play their best baseball when it matters the most. Uh, you, I don't. I just don't think it's um, right for fans to get into the mentality of, well, over the re- regular season we're on the right track, but. I don't know. It just wasn't our wasn't our games in the postseason. We I think as fans, you want more from your team uh, when it matters the most. Yeah, I agree. I, I would give it a. I I agree with what you said. I'll give it a five. I think I think you sound like a Cowboys fan. Oh, <laughs> like oh, oh we're gosh. so good in the regular season, and just because we can't win when it matters the most, then you know that there's no problem there. I, although the Cowboys are a lot more volatile, but. Yeah, I think they're, I mean, what makes great teams is being successful in the postseason. Almost, I mean, you look at, like, there are a lot of teams in sports where, like, they're not actually great in the, in the in, in the the you know, the regular season, and then the postseason is when they kind of turn that switch. So, I agree. Um, I think, on, yeah, like, as someone who plays sports, as someone who watches it, there are always those games where it's like you just don't have a good game, and unfortunately for them it was, or a good series, unfortunately for them it was when it mattered. But I do think there's a difference. Fair between enough. being able to perform when it matters. I mean, not that the regular season doesn't matter, but just the stakes are higher. Yeah, I will have to ask you to leave the studio for being a Cowboys <laughs> fan, though. But I, I'm I, not a Cowboys fan. I'm a Giants fan. Yeah, well, calling me a Cowboys fan. Uh, I mean, no, no, no. That's a serious... <laughs> yeah, no, I, I was not calling you that. I was not calling you that. Yeah, you better take that back. Yeah, and with I, that I, said, I'm not a Cowboys fan. Let's hear your take. I'm excited to hear it. So I was I was a bouncing between two. Um, I had a, a Bears one, but I'm going to pass that because we did talk about the Bears. I want to talk about the Detroit Lions, so same division, um, as a... I think you're a Packers fan. I might be wrong. Unfortunately, I am, yes. I'm sure you love the Lions. Um, I think that they are, after watching them this past week, looking at the NFC, right? Like the two best teams in the NFC right now are the Niners and the Eagles. You'd probably give the Niners a little bit of the edge, but I would say those are the the, the two top ones. The only reason I say the Eagles aren't is because I don't think they've played their best football yet. And yeah. as, a, as a Giants fan, that's you know kind of hurts my soul to say that. But um, 
I think the Lions are very, very much the third team there, and I think they can have a legitimate run at a Super Bowl. Oh, not a, and and I'll say not a super. I again making it to the Super Bowl. I'm not saying winning the Super. Bowl. Obviously, if you make it, you have a chance at the Super Bowl. But I think if you look at their defense, if Jamison Williams can get healthy, he adds another kind of side to that offense. Another you know part of that offense. I think their run game's great if they can get Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery more integrated together in that offense. Um, obviously, receiving wise, we know how good Amon Ross St. Brown is. I've been talking about how Jared Goff is not a bad quarterback. I love Dan Campbell. I've loved Dan Campbell since he he became a Lions coach. But I think if the Lions keep that grit, we saw what they did. Obviously, the Panthers are not a very good team, but I think they have a shot to compete with the Niners and the Eagles in this NFC. Yeah, well, we started last year. But last year, we kind of made the we, we ranked quarterbacks in the NFC, and we had Jared Goff as the second best quarterback in the conference. So I mean, I <laughs> yeah. say Geno maybe has supplanted him, but yeah, yeah pretty probably yeah yeah pretty, yeah pretty good yeah, point. Pretty, yeah. yeah, well, Josh, what do you think about this one? Um. I don't hate it. It's it's basically you're saying the gap between two and three in the NFC is not as large as people think. And I think, yeah. yeah. For me, like, the Lions are just a team you forget about. Like, I know Dan Campbell, everyone loves him, but I just I don't think about the Lions that much. And I think part of that is just you haven't had to think about the Lions for since, like, the 1950s. <laughs> um, so people just aren't accustomed to thinking about the Lions, but I don't know. They're they're a good team. They week one they showed the Chiefs what's what. Uh I'll, I'll give this one a seven. I'll give this one a seven. There you go. Yeah, I I'll also give it a seven. I I don't know if their ceiling is quite at the Super Bowl because I do think they would lose to like yeah. at least the way their schedule would work out. I think they would end up having to play both those teams yeah. and beat both of them to make the Super Bowl. I I think they could upset one of them in in the playoffs. I mean uh, they are like a really frisky playoff team, so I think they win the NFC North and are, are in the the playoffs. And I do think they could potentially upset either the Eagles or the Forty Nine ers. So I agree. Awesome. I think uh, yeah, sevens across the board. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I just can't imagine this Detroit team going into San Francisco and beating them. That being said, though, I'm loving what I'm seeing from them, and I think that even though they went into this team as very hyped and like everyone's second team, basically, I think they kind of flown under the radar still. So excited to see them. I could definitely imagine them sneaking up on the Eagles and taking them in a really fun divisional round game. Yeah. So it's good that I got sevens. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. I'll yeah. take it. And well, who else is going to? Like upset one of those teams, like yeah. who, like outside <laughs> of each other. Like I don't think the Cowboys are no, at that yeah, tier yeah. whatsoever. No. I I do think the 49ers against the Lions could end up looking at like one of those games, but mm-hmm. I don't think Jared Goff would have as many turnovers. So yeah, I I think well I just think it's it's really funny. It's something that I've like talked about a lot is the the difference between the AFC and NFC. Whereas I think this year it's actually gotten kind of close. I think like there'll be one week you'll be like, wow, the AFC is so much better, and then there'll other weeks, other weeks it'll be like the NFC is better. But I think the NFC is more the AFC is obviously more top heavy, but I think the NFC in terms of, I mean, even the NFC I guess now is is I guess you could kind of categorize as top heavy, but I think the Lions are just a team that I think are composed very well and coached very well. Whereas like you said, the Cowboys I think are not coached well. We saw that against San Francisco. I mean. Purdy's just better than Dak at the end of the day, and um, maybe that should be my take. Um, and <laughs> and uh, um, I think the Niners are just so much better coached than than Dallas, and I think it's been like that. Um, but I think for the Lions, you look at a team again, like I said, just ve- like it's a team that's that's been through a lot together. 
and they are at a point now where what they're four and one. Um, I think they have a shot, man. I really think they have a shot. Awesome. And I guess to wrap it up, Josh, we ambushed you here today. Let's yeah. hear what you got for us. Okay. So, yeah, I didn't have one, like, well thought out. but Well, we asked you to do this like 10 minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's, let's keep it more local. Let's talk about Wisconsin Badgers hockey. Okay. I went to the game on Sunday, and it was a good, a good win, but I feel like um, we kind of – underachieved especially on the power play um i think we had something i like half of the second period was we had the power play um and we got zero points off the power play um and then when we get to playing better teams big 10 play conference play um that's not going to be good enough i think that's a little, a little something to be concerned about uh not capitalizing on the opportunities given to us yeah, yeah. Um, I, I th- I've watched the two games on replay, and yeah, I'd agree that you know we, we didn't allow a goal, but you look at a team like I believe this was their first yeah. ever yeah. first first, two, first ever uh, game Division One hockey it's, game. It's actually yeah. funny. Yeah, I was. I don't mean to interrupt, but I was uh, the last week. I was. I had this club thing, and the uh, the director of the hockey team was talking to us, and he was like, "Yeah, we we're trying to scout this team." Because I always like I have like a, so much like film set up for the players and it's all noted and he's like we're literally going into this completely blind. This team has <laughs> never played a Division One hockey game. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't call it an ambush because they still all scored on what seven to nothing over yeah. two games. Yeah. But yeah. still, I mean, it's hard to criticize seven nothing, but you kind of want to see some fireworks. Yeah, I mean, it it's almost like those like super old football stat lines where it would be like Michigan against like the nurses or whatever like it's not even like an actual school or anything like that like if you see something like that you want to see just like a historic like record setting goal differential that will never be broken in a hundred years but yeah yeah i think i'll give you the eight on this one yeah uh, i mean i i mean obviously they didn't lose so you gotta feel good about that I mean, when you look yeah. at their last couple seasons it always feels good it's, it's progress I mean. yeah there you go yeah. i'm gonna go i'm gonna go eight as well i agree I'll go eight as well. Just eights around the board. All right, well, you guys will copy me. Yep. Yeah. This yeah. seems like a good time to jump to. What's the segment we're calling it? Uh, Badger Sports Update. Badger Sports Update. Awesome. Well, thanks a bunch, Josh. Uh, that was pretty solid. Um, you, I guess we, you're, you're welcome to stay on if you'd like, but if you'd prefer to just <laughs> set back and listen to us lunatics rave about stuff, you're more than welcome. But I guess we'll jump to, I think, Badger Sports Update. You said uh, we'll start with the men's hockey team, uh, to Josh's point. Men's hockey team started the Mike Hastings era, the two-game sweep of August Augustana, right? Augustana. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. This weekend, they'll play one game on the road against Bemidji State on Friday before immediately heading to North Dakota to play the Fighting Hawks on Saturday. Alex plays every single time. Where is Bemidji State? Minnesota. You have guys, um, guys have guesses? We go Iowa. I, I think it is in for the first time in the history of the show, Alex got the geography I correct. Knew that one. Congratulations, I knew that Alex. Bemidji State is in Minnesota. Uh, yeah, a lot of road trips, so good to mention that. And uh, I guess we'll jump to the already well established women's hockey teams coming off a two game sweep of a really good Boston College team. Last Thursday, Wisconsin took game one in a 5 to 3 thriller before the offense exploded in game two by racking up 12 goals against the Eagles on banner drop night. This week, Thursday and Friday, they'll play Minnesota State at Laban. That was. I mean, did you happen to you guys happen to catch that the Boston series at all? Yes, I think a little bit. Yeah, Boston's a, a really because I mean they're consistently been very very good. Um, and just seeing them go rack up twelve goals on them, I believe uh, second highest scoring team in the nation right now has twenty three goals. 
we have 39. So we're yeah. offense has been looking pretty good. That being said, very early start to the year, but got to be encouraged with what you're seeing right now. And I guess, Alex, you want to take soccer then? Yeah. Uh, the women's soccer team continued their impressive season uh, by beating a, a very good Northwestern squad at McClemon uh, last Thursday. The win moved Bucky to 9-2-3 and three on the year and 4-1-1 one and one in the Big Ten. Wisconsin is now ranked 20th, is second in the Big Ten, uh, and just behind 5-0-1 oh, Penn State. Uh, jumping to the men's team, uh, tied Bradley yesterday. Uh, moving on to four, three, and five. There you go. I know you're the soccer expert here. I mean, have you been to any games at McClyman? So I far? have not been. I've watched some highlights, um, but I've not been. I, I actually need to go to. A yeah, game. it's um, admissions free. I get that it's kind of far away because yeah. it's uh, on the Lakeshore side of campus. Yeah. But I'm just saying, McClyman and um, oh my gosh, how am I forgetting the name of the softball stadium? I was there quite a bit. It's right now uh, Goodman Complex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both hidden gems on the campus. So yeah. And then I guess we'll jump to volleyball then. Uh, Dominant stretch continues to the number one ranked Wisconsin volleyball team. Moved to 15-0 after sweeping Illinois in Champaign. Wisconsin will play at home on Friday against Rutgers. I'll give you guys some guesses here. Uh, there's, you know, there's some talk that the Badgers are number one, but maybe they could be taken over by Nebraska last week because uh, there's been some close matches against the Badgers. They were taking a five twice. How many straight sets has Wisconsin won? Huh. Two. <laughs> it's more than two, but no, good guess. <laughs> I'll go um I'll go eight. All right. Uh, I know I feel like the last couple scores I've seen were a uh, few sweeps. Yes. So uh let's do let's see they let's see they uh swept twice what no, because they would have would have had to win win one to end it. So I'm gonna say seven straight. All right. Alex they have won two. Twenty-one in a oh, row. Wow. <laughs> wow. So they have so not responded. Yep. And with that, Alex, talk about some football before we uh, head to some PSAs. Yeah, Wisconsin football moved to three and one overall and two and zero oh in Big Ten uh, with their twenty-four to thirteen win over Rutgers. Uh, this time it was the defense who stole the show, uh, with Rutgers gaining just two hundred and seventy-five total yards and uh, more encouraging encouragingly just 2.9 yards per carry on the ground wisconsin will get ready for their most important game of the year uh this saturday at three o'clock as the badgers will welcome the iowa hawkeyes to camp randall now we don't have a ton of time we got a lot of stuff on our schedule to go here that was quite the rate my take session we did there yeah but i guess alex just real quick i mean how you feeling about the offense this year because you know they dropped it was it was kind of iffy on saturday a little bit wouldn't you say yeah i mean the passing game wasn't quite able uh, to get going as much the running game definitely picked up without malusi uh i mean they were still able uh, to keep up their average yards on the ground. Uh, actually, I think they were out, outdid it uh, without him. Uh, but it, it'll be interesting to see how they balance that going forward, if they, they keep going uh, with the ground game or if they're going to rely on Mordecai a little bit more. Um, yeah, but the defense, I think, was the biggest part. Like, just huge, huge interception for the pick six. Uh, 14-point swing in the game right before halftime, and uh, I think we need to keep seeing performances like that to carry us through the season, especially in the Big Ten games. I mean, obviously, defense is always going to be big in those. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's, as someone who's been to every game at Camp Randall, I think nice. what's been glaringly obvious is the defense. I think the offense we know we've had, and I think our offensive pieces is why we were ranked going into the season, but defensively, it's like a play like that, like 
they're about to score huge pick six. Funny enough, I actually went to school probably five minutes from where the Rutgers quarterback who threw the pick six went to school. Oh, wow. Um, so, so he was like one of their highest recruits in yeah. like the history of the school. He's a he might have been a four star. Yeah, um, which w- is pretty crazy. I was kind of disappointed with him in the game. Yeah, like, no, he, he did not. He got really good out. way, really good with his legs. Yeah. but throwing it, it seemed like he was like mm. way off the mark frequently in the game. I don't know. I just wanted to shout out the, the video of someone uh, someone on the sidelines uh, getting hit in the nuts oh, yeah. at the football game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I was watching that live, and I just like I was just like, wait a minute. Yeah, so I'm glad I was the only one who noticed yeah. that. Oh, right, the cameraman. Oh, I yeah, saw. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, I yeah, did yeah. see that. Yeah, no, but defensively, I think just like stepping up. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, I guess. I mean, Josh, any thoughts on the game before we head to BSAs here? I don't know. I I know the rest of you guys were positive. Maybe I'm just more pessimistic. Uh, but no, that's fair. I am. I am. Um. Beating Rutgers by 11 points. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know the win's a win, but still, Rutgers, Rutgers isn't the best. I mean, we all know about Rutgers. Yeah, I don't care what the record is. Rutgers is Rutgers. Well, yeah. If Rutgers, you, yeah, Rutgers. They did not beat anyone too amazing. Their only real opponent was against Michigan, and they got trounced by them. Yeah. Uh, we had an opportunity at the end of the game to hold them to less points, but that last touchdown, because since they mixed the extra point, they were at six, which is going to be the lowest scoring output for the year, but last second touchdowns kind of ruined that. Yeah. All right. With that, I think we're going to pass it off to some very important messages. Stick around because we'll be right back. Ian's Pizza is a proud underwriter of WSUM. Ian's provides over a dozen varieties of pizza by the slice with vegan, vegetarian, and gluten-free options available. Madison locations are at 100 State Street, 319 North Francis Street, and the historic Garver Feed Mill. Online ordering and a full menu is available at ianspizza.com. Ian's Pizza, with downtown locations open late seven days a week. Looking for the latest from your city's music scene? Tune into Mood Ring on Sunday nights at 10 p.m. for the best finds from basement venues, warehouse shows, and word-of-mouth concerts with me, Claire Lastman. Each week, I'll bring you my favorites from up-and-coming artists here in Madison and beyond. Find Mood Ring here, only on WSUM 91.7 FM, Madison. Hey, Jay, what are you doing? I'm going to walk. But, Jay, the light is red. What if there's a car? You know I don't believe in cars. I'm going to walk. Jay, please. I'm doing it. (gasps) He really put the L in walk. Let's not be like our ex-friend Jay. It's well known that Wisconsin ranks 46 in the country for jaywalking-related accidents. And with your participation, we could be 47th. Here are some tips to help you obey pedestrian traffic laws. Often find yourself restless at a red light? Carry around a fidget toy or a snack. Look left and right, then left again. Repeat as necessary. Hold hands while crossing the street. If still inclined to break the law, ask a friend to restrain you. Remember, you You can't can't walk walk if you're hit by a car.
<laughs> Welcome back. Uh, you're listening to After Further Review on WSUM 91.7 FM Madison Student Radio. All right. Uh, this is a segment that we've changed the, the name of. It's just going to be Laundry List from now on. Just me and Vince watch a lot of sports and uh, kind of take notes about some of the things we wanted to talk about that aren't quite worthy of a full segment. So, uh, Vince, you want to get us started with that? Let's do it. I want to give an update. Uh, we had a really fun segment last week. Our, our thanks again to Max Kappel for joining us. Uh, he's really smart with baseball and in general. He also ate a Carolina Reaper with us, so our eternal gratitude to him. But... Uh, I want to go over our um, our predictions we made. We had our bold prediction segment where we each made three predictions. Then we ranked them on how bold they were. And then if the prediction happened, you got the number of points that you got between one to five. So I want to give a quick update to all of them. Uh, I said the Diamondbacks would steal four bases on game one. They attempted to steal four bases, got caught stealing twice. So as a Brewer fan, I was happy, but just so I could feel smart, I was a little bummed out they didn't reach that four mark. Uh, secondly, Rangers make ALCS. Good chance that one happens. Knock on wood. Hopefully they don't blow a 3-0 lead. And finally, Braves lose less than five games in the playoffs. Uh, could be tough. Look very vulnerable against Philadelphia. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But yeah, I'd say that one's still alive. Let's jump to Max. He said Twins take ALCS for four points. That one looks like it's going to happen. Really great prediction from him. He said Cor- Corbin Carroll, Kettle Mark, and Christian Walker would combine for three home runs. Said they'd light up the Brewers this season or this postseason. He was absolutely right. So they didn't hit three home runs. Uh, they combined for two. Corbin Carroll and Kettle Marte each had one in game one. Although Christian Walker had three hits in that game, he did not go deep. So, unfortunately, he gets zero points for that. And finally, he said Jesus Lazardo would throw a shutout against the Phillies. Said there'd be 10 Ks. Uh, he wound up, I think he had 8 Ks, something like that in the game, but a lot of three runs. Not a great performance from him. But once again, our thanks to Max for <laughs> giving those predictions. He sounded very smart when he said them. Well, and I think he got as close as he possibly could without... Like oh yeah, making it an obvious, with the Diamondbacks yeah. one, yeah, he was all over that. I'm kind of bummed he didn't and get that. Those were, I, I thought they were pre- like pretty like hard to reach yeah. mark. So like being just off for all of them was a pretty pretty good sign. Yeah, going to get zero or actually no, Twins could still make it oh, uh, yeah. down to one, but he can hold his head high either way. I'd say. And now to you, Alex. Oh no, no you're actually doing fairly well. <laughs> uh, Braves and Astros World Series. That would have been a two pointer. Um, I mean, there's, each team is, you know, alive. Uh, Astros have a 2-1 lead. Braves lost home field advantage, but, I mean, they looked pretty good last night. Certainly a very exciting game. You had three grand slams this postseason. There's been one so far. Still Never a chance. Know. And then Brewers make NLDS for three and a half points. We ends up getting zero for that because yeah, that did not happen. Yeah. So, I guess right now, um, you, you, so you win if – I don't want to do the whole math in my head. I think basically right now I – and Max have the best chance because we have Twins and uh, Rangers making it. I'd say we might go one for nine with mine being the only one that gets <laughs> right. But that's the whole point of bold predictions. But while we're on the point or on the topic of baseball, I want to quick talk about Bryce Harper last night. Uh, so game was unbelievable last night. Did you see that, Kian? I did not see the game last night. Okay, well, that, that's fair. It was a pretty crazy one. Basically, um, I believe Phillies are up 4 nothing. Braves come storming back, two-run ho- shot. In the eighth, gave them the lead, and then in the ninth, uh, Bryce Harper leadoff uh, walk. Then with two outs, uh, Nick Castellanos goes deep, and it's an amazing catch from Michael Harris at the wall. And then they double up Bryce Harper, who had too much of a lead, and uh, the jokes have been 
not few and far between. They've been plenty at Bryce Harper's expense. There is also reports that Orlando Arcia, former Brewer shortstop, now an all-star with the Braves, uh, was making fun of Harper in the clubhouse. And I want to stick up for Bryce Harper on this one because there were two outs, and this is one of those situations where he had a really big leadoff. He wanted to score if that ball got down. And it was a ball that had to be caught at the fence. And so the website that, you know, nerdy website, Fangraph, said that it was a 45% catch chance uh, based on how far he had to run. Uh, and how much time he had, not including the wall. So it was a really tough catch, and if that would have gotten down, Harper would have just barely scored. He would have been praised, but instead he gets made fun of. So I just want to stick up for him a little bit. Not that he cares if he gets my support or not. He has a $300 million contract, so he could care less what I think. Yeah. Alex, you want to run through your list here? Uh, yeah, so over the weekend, uh, Verstappen uh, won his third straight Drivers' Championship in Formula 1. Still plenty of races to go, but he had enough points to secure it um, already. Just Dominant all season long race weekend was a uh, pretty good representation of how this entire season has been uh, with Verstappen clinching the win before the race even started by doing so and uh, qualifying the day before. And then uh, during the first lap of the race, Mercedes, both cars crashing into each other, taking both cars out of the race immediately. And uh, Wait, both Mercedes cars crashed into each into other. Into each other on the very first. <laughs> on the same team. I think on the the first turn of the first lap. Oh yeah. my it, gosh! It happens all the time, but it's usually uh, like one car going for an aggressive start, trying to pass their teammate who is on a, a slightly different race plan, and then uh, just not looking out for your, your teammate funny, ends actually. up with. Uh, yeah, not getting out of the way, and they, they ran into each other. Um, and it greatly harmed their chances uh, at holding on to second place in uh, the, wor- or the the Drivers' Championship, the team championship, uh, which is pretty good for me as a McLaren fan. So uh, they also got double podium, set a new fastest pit stop time, beating uh, the Red Bull time. So it was went from point or 1.82 seconds to 1.80 seconds. Not the biggest yeah, difference well, if in time. If the race came down to 0.2 seconds, they would have won then. Yeah, un- unfortunately it did not. Verstappen uh, <laughs> dominated both the McLaren cars, but they were able to pick up second and third. So That's cool. It reminds me of uh, the legendary movie Cars in which, what's his name? Is, is it Guido? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think so. Okay, yeah, I mean, and no one's going to break that record. And that was a goat <laughs> performance from my guy there. And he was just one guy. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a whole crew. It was just yeah, one guy. Just one guy. Yeah, Have they tried these throw the tires up in yeah. the air maneuver and catch them before they put them back on? I mean, I don't know. I think you need to message them and, and give them some advice. It might be something they, they implement in the near future. Yeah. I think we can uh, for, uh, revolutionize all forms of racing, NASCAR, Formula One, IndyCar, you know, just... Uh, Maybe Pixar was on to something. Yeah, I mean, I've Here driven a car before. I'm probably an expert in this field. Use animated characters for oh, the pit yeah. stops. There we go. Uh, moving on to, to football. Um, well, actually, technically, this is even football. Uh, Troy Aikman on the broadcast last night uh, was asked to name three players on the Rangers for $100 from Joe Buck, was unable to do so. Uh, made me f- feel a lot better from uh, my personal experiences with baseball trivia, especially live on the air. So I know how you feel, Troy. I also don't know anyone that plays baseball. Yeah, I don't think I can name one. Man, I'm going to hold my is, tongue is, here. Uh, is Joey Gallo still on the Rangers? No, he's not. Okay, but thanks for playing. 
All right, Vince, you're up. Uh, that's all I got, actually. Oh, no. All right, so should we move on to Packer Grades? Let's do it. We'll quick fly through this. Uh, it's just you and I here. I don't really want to talk about the Packers too much. So, yeah, we watch Packers. Give some people grades. So you want to go first in this one, Alex? Yeah, uh, I'll start out with my only positive one, Anders Carlson. <laughs> Gave him an A for uh, winning the brotherly uh, kicker battle. Two field goals, one extra point. Uh, his brother on the Raiders missed two field goals. Uh, so... You end up getting more points than him. Yeah, I mean, Daniel Carlson missing field goals to give the Packers a chance at a game that they probably should have won anyways. I mean, we've seen that one a couple times before. Um, for me, I guess, uh, I'll start with my positive one, too. A really frustrating performance, but love Rasul Douglas and Rudy Ford. Uh, they didn't even throw out Rasul Douglas. He was just that sticky in coverage, and that's great to see because um, he's kind of a guy who he kind of that Trayvon Diggs attitude of let up some big ones but also get some pick sixes. Uh, Rudy Ford, you know, he had some question marks after the first couple of games, but he's really responded. Um, I guess I got to talk about the offensive line, though. I mean, what, what the heck was that? Uh, TJ Watt, I believe, leads the league in tackles for loss with seven. Max Crosby had four in that game alone. And the moment I realized that our offensive line is just bad, bad, was when they showed him. Uh, he started over the right tackle, and then he just cut horizontally, and he blew right vibe with the center and the right guard to get inside. Uh, I mean, Josh Myers, not his best play. But as a whole, I mean, that, that, that was ugly. No push up front. Yeah, the, the tape from that game will definitely give Max Crosby some uh, pretty good arguments of why he's a Hall of Famer. I mean, <laughs> he looked like Aaron Donald took steroids. Uh, Might just, be the most dominant defensive performance yeah, I've seen. It, it was very, very frustrating to watch as a Packers fan. So. Yeah. Uh, my second grade was uh, A.J. Dillon. Uh, I gave him a C-, minus, kind of stepping up a little bit without Aaron Jones. The the running game was pretty bad. I Probably could have even gone lower. I mean, the offense really? was pretty bad, but I mean, he, he scored the only touchdown of the game. So yeah, I mean, I, I think Keen and I look at the same stats here: twenty carries, seventy-six yards, and a touchdown. I mean, three point eight with that offensive line. I give yeah. him a B plus in this one, if I'm being honest. I, I think that's fair. I mean, it, it's tough. I, I'm used to the Packers' ground game getting like at least over a hundred yards We're in a game. Yeah, so I. Tough graders, yeah, I guess. I I am. I'm, it's all of these are definitely biased fan grades. Yeah, I, I do think that is part of the point of the segment. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, Jordan Love. What'd you give him, Alex? Uh, I give him a D. It, it was terrible. Ugly. Not totally his fault, but I'm sorry. What'd you say, Keen? This is an ugly one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> that was an ugly one. A lot of throws off the mark. Usually has a, a handful of promising plays thrown in there that really inspire you. There's uh, that deep ball, a little bit off the mark. Uh, and then just the, all three of those interceptions were, were pretty bad. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I gave him a D as well. Uh, offensive line was bad, and that's why I didn't give him an F. But he just feels – I think I kind of figured out, like, what he kind of is, at least right now, where he had that – like, he's great on script. I'm sure that he knows the playbook super well. I mean, he's got all his reads ordered down. But I just look at that – that uh, that interception where Marcus Peters broke it up and then off the de- the deflection it was uh, intercepted and I'm certain that Christian Watson was the route that it was his go-to read and it just wasn't a good route but he's just so locked in on do the play right robot quarterback that he wound up throwing interception so I think when the plays are going well he can be great but when you you can't just give him the ball and say make something happen like you can with other quarterbacks yeah definitely I think he's a starter in the NFL but not exactly the the like. He's not going to make the offense around him better. He needs kind of maybe like a Kirk Cousins type role where like 
there is a ceiling on how high he can be ranked among NFL quarterbacks. Yeah, that being said, I don't want to throw on the towel on him because uh, we were hyping him up like crazy after two weeks, and now it feels kind of hypocritical to be well, down in the dumps. I think he, I, I'm not saying we need to like get rid of him. No, I think not that, at all. Like I've reeled in my ceiling of yes. expectations, and it, it, to be fair, it wasn't that high to begin with. <laughs> it's kind of just cemented at that point. We'll always have week one no matter what. Yeah. And with that, let's jump into our final segment. Uh, I did some time machine research, also known as Wikipedia, and I saw that the last seven years, a 2-3 and three team has made the playoffs. Uh, you look at now, you have an extra postseason team. It's probably going to be a more common occurrence. So I have all the 2-3 and three teams down here. We're going to rank them. How about 1-5 to five on how confident we are that they have a chance at getting in? Uh, a lot of semantics. Yeah. I, I think that's fair. 1-5. to five. All right. Cool. It's, why don't you start it off, Alex? All right. So the Packers, after losing the, uh, to the Raiders, are now uh, two and three. I, <laughs> I would give them maybe a two point five. My confidence is low, but the NFC, the, there might be an opportunity for them to sneak into the wild card position. You never know. Not exactly how you want to be trending going into the bye week, but at the same time, maybe a week off can kind of reset this team and send them back in the right direction. Yeah, I mean they're the nine seed. Um, the current, and one of the teams above them is the Saints. They have a tiebreaker over. So I'll give them a three. But on the other hand, that was pretty ugly last night. Yeah, that was an ugly. Uh, the Packers, severe, or at least Jordan Love, severely damaged his image in my mind. I think um, uh, media loves to kind of talk about how when a player is a bad game, it's like all the all the news headlines and videos are always, he's a he's a backup. I would give them a... Uh, I give them a two. I think Jordan Love definitely can manage an offense. Um, we have our bad games, but that was an ugly one, and it shouldn't have been because they should have won that game because um, it's a poor Raiders team. But I would give that a two. I'll give them a two too. All I right, mean, it's just low possibility. I know a two and three team has made it, but like it's not likely. Not yeah. all of them have. We'll, we'll go rapid fire here. Um, yeah. Who's next, Alex? Uh, Commanders. I'm giving them a two as well. I think they. Are a good team, but I don't really see it. If you lose to the Bears, there's no way I can rank you higher than that. <laughs> no, no, it's two. Yeah, I'm going to give it a two. It depends which version of the Commanders we get. Is it If it's the Commanders that played against the Eagles and almost beat them in overtime, then I'm going to put a four. If it's the Commanders we got last Thursday when they lost by 20 points to the Bears um, <laughs> and their 12. offensive line looked like it uh, belonged um, uh, belonged in the MAC. Um then we're not <laughs> zero, zero out of there you go. Uh The Rams, I'm going to give it a, a 3.5. I'm going to go four. I feel good about them. Yeah, four for the Rams also. I feel good about the Rams. I think they have uh, – I think the, the ability for them to make Naku and Cup work on the same field is huge. Yeah, I'll get a four, too. Uh, I think they are the most likely. Uh, the Jets, I'm going to go a one. I don't see it working out, especially with as long as Aaron Rodgers is out. So yeah, I'll, I'll go two. You never know, but yeah. I'll go three. I think they have a championship-level defense. Ooh, okay. The Jets are a cursed organization. One. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The Raiders. That's a, that's a one for me. Maybe even a zero. I'll give them, I'll give them a two and a half. You look at their show upcoming schedule, got some bad games. Maybe they can um, sneak in like they did a couple of years ago. Yeah, one. I don't think, I don't, <laughs> the, the I don't think the Raiders are doing anything this year. No, I think I think uh, what you said was right. Like I think two and a half, three. They they have a weak schedule. All right, very quickly now, Bengals. I'm gonna give them a four. Four. Yeah, four. Four. Got the Texans, Byron. sneaky one. I might give them a three. I'll go three as well. Could sneak in. I'm gonna go five. I love the Ooh, Texans. All right. I'll give them a two. And finally, the Titans. I'm gonna go a uh, three. Three as well. Yeah, I'd say three. All right, 
that's going to wrap us up here. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back live next week at 5 o'clock. And now, right after the show, stay listening to hear the starting five.